<laughs> we want to welcome you if you're here online and uh, if you're here on location. Uh, we're here, and God's presence is here. Man, it's been good. And we're going to jump into the Word today. We're welcoming you back to our fall schedule as a church. And uh, I believe God has a word for you. And so I'm excited that you've joined us today uh, on location and online. Uh, so today's message is called, When Your Back is Against the Wall. I don't know if uh, how it was for you when you were a kid, but when I was a kid, um, my mom would serve our dinner. Like, she would put the food on our plate. You know, it wasn't like uh, they didn't pick, we didn't pick what we wanted. Mom picked what we wanted. Huh? Anybody like that? Anybody relate? Yeah. Okay, so the food would come, and then there was a rule that said you eat what's on your plate before you leave the table. Right? So there was a couple of times, I remember when I was a kid, where I sat at the table for a very You know what I'm talking about? Huh? Maybe you sat at the table, and I'll tell you, some of that food was ice cold. It would have been a lot better if I would have ate it, you know, like right away. But, you know, uh, for some reason, I, I felt like my back was against the wall, you know? And, uh, and uh, it came to a place where I eventually had to chew it down. Not, not, when we were raising our kids, we had a different rule, a little bit of variation. We, we said you have to at least try everything on your plate. Huh? You got to at least try everything. And so we thought we did pretty good, Carla and I, uh, on uh, raising our kids and having them try everything. And then we found out later, they're all adults now, but we found out later, they would just kind of take some stuff and hold it under the table. We had a little dog named Peanut. And Peanut would come and take, you know, he ate everything. In fact, the only thing Peanut wouldn't eat was mushrooms. And uh, so Peanut would eat everything that, you know, they tried everything. Because peanut helped them. <laughs> when your back is against the wall, you know they say uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Sometimes, huh, even kids they can figure something out, right? They can figure out a way. You 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 get your back up against the wall and you find a way. Even young kids, you know, it's not just us adults that find a way. Uh, I remember uh, later, Carla and I, we were trying to buy a house, our first house. We were living in Prince George here, and we were saving money. We we were working several jobs, and uh, uh, we were trying to, to do what we could to get in a position where we could buy a house. We could afford to have a house. And uh, we were generous people. We, we served God. We, we helped people. We, were, we gave faithfully our tithes and offerings, and, and we were kind to people. We prayed. We did all kinds of things that we thought were really good in honoring God. And uh, we had an appointment at the bank, and we sat down with the loans officer, the, this woman, and we did the paperwork, and we told her what we wanted to do. And you know what? She laughed at us, laughed out loud. <laughs> That's never going to happen, she said. I, I felt that day like my back was against the wall. I was trying to think, what more could I do to get a house? Have you ever had your back against the wall? You know, right now, in our world, there's a thing called coronavirus. It's affecting almost everybody. Almost every, in fact, there's probably a couple people out in the 
backwoods somewhere, jungle somewhere, maybe that don't really know about it. But I think pretty much everybody in the world is being affected by coronavirus. Someone told me the other day, C-19. They said C-19. I said, what is C-19? They said, that's the new term, you know, COVID-19. I was like, whoa, I'm not up with that stuff, C-19. So even if you don't believe it's real, even if you think it's just a concoction of, of uh, uh, Bill, what's that guy's name? from Bill Gates from Microsoft or whatever. You could think whatever conspiracy theory, it's still affecting you. It's still limiting you. It's limiting what we can do. It's having an effect on you, whether you believe it or not. You know, kids went to school this year, a week, and people were filled with all kinds of emotions. There's anxieties and fears and stuff going on. Have you ever felt like your back was against the wall and there's nothing you could do? Or maybe you tried to do something. Well, I want to talk to you today about a guy who wrote Psalm 77, and uh, his name was Asaph. Asaph was King David's worship leader. And uh, Asaph was a man of faith. You know, Brad was leading worship this morning. Wasn't that great? Wasn't that awesome to be here and worshiping? And he was saying, I just want to take a moment. I just want us to pause. I, want us, I just want us to, to remember we're in God's house and we can encounter him. We're, that's what we're here to do. I just love that. But Brad's a, you know, worship leaders are a little bit different. You know, they love God. Huh? They love God. They want to be in God's presence. They want, they'll do anything to connect with God, you know. You know, they're just, they're just people that are just earnestly yearning for God. And, but it doesn't stop there. They want you to want God. They want you to encounter God's presence. They want you to experience God, right? It's not, they're not happy enough for them. It's not good enough just for them. No, they want you. They're going to make you. You know, we're going to stay here until you do too. You know, uh, maybe. Asaph was a little bit like that. Man of faith. And Psalm 77 comes in a time very much like we're in. The nation was going through a very difficult time. And Asaph was feeling the pressure of the disappointments that they were going through. He was left himself feeling disappointed. In fact, one statement he makes in Psalm 77, he says these words. Worship leader, man of faith, who wants you to experience God, he says this, Lord, will you reject me forever? That doesn't sound like a very faith-filled statement, does it? He's questioning God. He's questioning God's goodness. He's questioning if God will be faithful. And his faith doesn't seem to be helping him. You know, Asaph tried a lot of things in Psalm 77 to try to encounter God. It says in Psalm 77 that he tried crying. He tried, he wailed. It says in, the, in Psalm 77, he cried. And it says he prayed for a long time. I prayed He's, it says, for a long time. And then, and then it says, he, he felt the pain and he groaned. Huh? Anybody ever groaned before from pain? I'm not talking about when you hit your finger with the hammer. Ah, 
No, I'm talking about he's feeling the heartache, and it's this groaning that comes into him. He's like, oh, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm in agony about what's going on. And it says he groaned. Anybody ever groaned before? Asaph groaned. He tried it. It groaned. And then it says, he stayed up late worrying. Anybody ever do that? Stay up late and worried. And tried to encounter God's presence. And nothing would set him free. All it did, in fact, in this psalm, is it brought him to a place that he felt like God was no longer going to come through for him. You know what? Asaph was at a place where he felt like his back was against the wall. Have you ever felt like your back was against the wall? You had no power to change the circumstances in. There's nothing you could do to change the situation in the relationships that you have. There's nothing that could change the physical situation he was dealing with his health. There was nothing he could do to change his financial situation. He tried everything and he just came to this place where he said, almost said it, but he didn't say it. But he almost said it. But he was coming to that place that he was going to say, God, you can't be trusted. I can't trust you. You know, it's in this time that I think it's really cool. Because we're in a time like that. We're in a difficult time. We're in a time when we can't change our circumstances. We have no power or control over it. And it's in that time that Asaph's heart is turned around from seeing the despair and the hopelessness to seeing that he can trust God, that sees that God is powerful, and that he can turn situations that are difficult for good. And I want to just talk to you about what happened. How do we move from letting go of our doubts, our uh, doubts that overwhelm us, our fears that we might be living in that just crash over us, about our tiredness of things that are just going on. And on. Don't you ever get tired of viruses and hearing about what you can't do? It's like, when will this ever stop? I've asked myself that question. This goes on and on. How do we turn off all the voices and questions and anger and battles that rage in our thoughts and in our hearts. How do we do it? What happened to Asaph? What do we do when our back is against the wall? And I want to encourage you, what we can do is what Asaph did in Psalm 77. And it's found right in between verse 9 and verse 10 in Psalm 77. Right there where his anxiety and fears leave him. And he's filled with confidence in God. Huh? Isn't that what you want? That's what I want. I want to move from my disappointments and my despair and my hopelessness into strength and faith and joy. Huh? 
That's what I want in my life and my walk with the Lord. And that's what I believe God wants for you as well. It's found there between Psalm uh, 77, verse 9 and 10. In fact, it's a word that you might have never noticed in your Bible. When we read Psalm 77, we actually don't even say it. It's kind of like a word that is just there, and it's not said, and after a while, we don't even see it. Uh, I was thinking about this summer, I was on, we were doing Adopt-A-Block, and so we had a team, and we were uh, visiting a neighborhood by the church here, and just loving our neighbors, and knocking on doors and saying, is there anything we, our team could do from Gateway Church just to love you and help you? Is there any jobs you need done? Any, we'll wash your dishes. We'll cut your grass. We'll fix your fence or whatever. And, and I knocked on a door, and I got to meet a really nice couple. And uh, I said to them, is there anything we could do to love you? We're just in the neighborhood, and they... And I can't remember. If, I remember one house said, oh, can you come back later? And I said, no, actually. <laughs> we weren't coming back later. But we're here right now. <laughs> we'll love you right now. And so this lady says, I don't think there's anything. And I said, what about the bathtub in your front lawn? And she said to me, oh, that's been there for two years. I don't even see it anymore. Huh? Some of us have a bathtub in our front yard, right? Something in your life that you've been walking by. It's just, you just kind of put up with it. You just ignore it. Like, it's like you don't even see it anymore. Well, I want to tell you today, God wants to get rid of the bathtub in your life. He's going to set you free. And so I remember, uh, I remember we helped that lady and the grass was about this high and we cut the grass and, and man, she was happy. To get rid of that. And so this word is kind of there in Psalm 77. And it's like a word that you just don't see. Sometimes you might think it could be like uh, Asaph's wife. The word is Salah. S-A-L-A-H. You know, could that be Asaph's wife? You know, she's saying to him, Asaph, you're a worship leader. You can't act like that. You know, you can't have doubts and all that. You're supposed to love God, you know. Well, it's not Asaph's wife. Say Salah is not Asaph's wife. Uh, we could think it's like a, a word like amen. You know, it's a word we're supposed to say. Jesus taught us to say amen, so we better say amen when we pray. We, we just do it because we have to. We don't really know what it means. We just do it because it's the right thing to do. Well, no, it's not that either. It could be uh, a chance in the song for us to go to the fridge and get a drink or go to the snack cup. My wife has a snack cupboard in our kitchen, and she puts snacks in there. And I said, you got to stop that ba baby. I'm always trying to empty the snack cupboard for you, you know, and it never gets empty. She just keeps putting another snack in there. It's terrible, terrible thing. No, that's not what Salah means either. It's not, it's not a chance to get a snack. It's not like a commercial. Salah means... This is an opportunity to pause to encounter God's presence. That's what Salah means. And that's what happened to Asaph. 
right in the middle of his fears and anxieties and doubts and situation that he had no power to change, you know what happened to him? He had an encounter with the living God of heaven. And the living God of heaven, presence in his life, changed his confidence, changed his faith. You know what? We could describe God. We could describe God's presence. We could describe God's goodness. But it will never equal to an encounter that you can have with the living God yourself. And that's what, that's what happened to Asa. He had an encounter with God. When his back was against the wall. Is your back against the wall? Can you relate to Asa? Are you tired of the drama that you're going through? Are you tired of the voices? Are you tired of the things that you're going through? I want to encourage you. It's time to desire to encounter the presence of God. It's time to notice the bathtub in the front lawn. It's time to have salah. Okay? How do we find the presence of God? How do we have a salah? Well, one of the most effective people of faith in the Bible that overcame discouragement was Paul. And he went through numerous hardships. He went through things that he didn't count on. Often they came when he was doing his best to be faithful, to follow God's voice, to be faithful, to be a disciple of Jesus. He had a call from God on his life, and he was trying his best to fulfill that call, to be obedient to God. And it was in one of these times, his back was against the wall. And Paul was actually in jail. He was being put in jail. Uh, for being a Christian, for being faithful to God. And Paul was able at that time to be set free from fear and discouragement. That's why this is a powerful example for us, because we can learn from it how we can find God's presence and hope, how we can find his strength when our backs are against the wall. Paul says this, it's found in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 13, to the church in Ephesus. Now, this is important for us as a church, Gateway. This is important for you and me for this very reason, that Ephesus, the Ephesian church, was going through a difficult trial. There was an attack against their mission and vision. You know what? We're going through a difficult time. There's an attack against our mission and vision as a church in Prince George. And so we can relate very much to this same, uh, same situation that Paul was going through. And this is what he said in verse 13. I ask you not to be discouraged. <laughs> Has anybody ever told you not to be discouraged before? It doesn't really help that much. It doesn't really help that much for someone to tell you, stop being grumpy. Stop being discouraged. Get out of the funk. You got to get pick yourself up, you know. You know, get off your butt, you know. Do something, make yourself happy, you know. It doesn't really help that much. <laughs> but Paul started off 
with this encouragement for the church. I encourage you not to be discouraged. And I, as your pastor, am encouraging you right now. Do not be discouraged. We're in a battle right now. We have a situation that we can't control. We might not like it. It might be difficult. It might be pressing back against the mission and vision of what God has asked us to do. But I'm asking you as your pastor, do not be discouraged. Right? Paul said to the church, he said, you know what? This might look ugly. But our God is bigger than the situation we're in. Our God is good. He's going to help us. He's going to strengthen us. You know, God does not create the problems we're in. But God promises to walk through them with us and help us to get out of them. So we know, we can say with confidence, our God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Huh? Who here is with me on this? Let's not be discouraged. Let's not be discouraged. Let's be encouraged. I'm saying to you, you know, as Paul said to his church in Ephesus, I'm saying to you, Gateway Church in Prince George, if you're watching online, maybe you're not in Prince George, maybe you're in another community, don't be discouraged. God is with us. Let's stick together. You know, the devil would like nothing more than to separate us and help us feel alone and help us to think that God is not going to help us. No one's going to be with us. No one's going to pray for us. No one's going to walk with us. No one's going to care for us. But I'm encouraging you. Let's not be discouraged. Let's stick together. Okay, let's go. I want to give you four things really quickly here. We've got seven and a half minutes. We're going to do this thing right on. What is your father saying to you today? Paul said, uh, in, in, after he said, do not be discouraged, he, he prayed a prayer to his father. And I believe God wants to say four things to us from this prayer. What is your father saying to you today, Gateway Church, online church, on location church? What is he saying to you? And this is what I believe God is saying to you when he's asking uh, when we're saying don't be discouraged, this is what I want you to get. Number one, you belong in family. I said that. You know, the devil would like nothing more than you to feel alone, you to feel discouraged, you to feel like no one else is going through what you're going through. That's his, that's his goal with your life. He wants you to feel like you're going through something more difficult than no one else can understand it. Well, I want to encourage you today. You're part of a family. You're part of a family that has a father. And Paul prayed this prayer in verse 14. He said, I kneel before the father. You have a father. You have a father that cares for you. He loves you. And he wants to help you get through what you're going through, church. You know, if we stick together, God will help us. If we, if we get separated, if we, if we believe the lie that we're alone, that God can't be trusted, then we're going to start to struggle. And I want to encourage you, it's time, it's time like never before to be together. So how are we going to do that as a church? Because we have, a, we have restrictions on us right now. Um, I was telling uh, someone yesterday, uh, I was at the open house for the, uh, oh man, I lost the name, Hope for Women uh, Pregnancy Center. 
in Prince George. What a great ministry. Man, what, if you have an opportunity to get behind uh, the Hope for Women Pregnancy Center, man, they have a heart of love for the families of our city and the women of our city. Man, I just love to hear the vision they were sharing yesterday. It's so good. Anyway, I was there, and I said, you know, uh, we have about four to 500 people that gather on a weekend at Gateway. But not now, because we're restricted. How are we going to gather? How could we, how could we stick together? How can we do it? Well, this is how. We can be part of a small group, right? This is how we can do it. We can be part of a small group. Now, you might think, oh, small groups are for someone else. Uh, being part of the family is for someone else. No, it's not. We have a father, and we have a family, and family is so important. It can't be replaced with anything else. We have to be together. That's how it happens. And so I want to encourage you. This fall, we have a great strategy for being together, okay? Number two, you must have an encounter with his presence. And, man, we were talking about that already. Paul said, I pray that he would strengthen you with power through his spirit. You know, God, God wants to strengthen you, and he wants you to have a salah. <laughs> you can fake it till you make it if you want, but it ain't no fun. I'll tell you, I tried it. I am inviting you as your pastor. Let's encounter the presence of God. We've got a great series we're doing this fall called Abide. And it's all about inviting people to be connected to Jesus, huh? So that we can encounter his presence. You will not find a substitute for God's presence in your life. You could look. You can try it. People have tried it. And they always come back to the one thing. And that is knowing the presence of Jesus. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's going to be a great fall for our church. Number three, you're designed to live in community. And so we were talking about this already in the first point, but Ephesians 3, 17, 18 says, I pray that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. You know, Paul was saying in this scripture, there's a way that we can know the vastness of God's love. You know how it is? When we're together. You can't experience love by yourself. You need someone else in your life. And that's how vital community is. When you are together in relationship with other believers, you will experience the vastness of God's. Paul said, you can't imagine how high it is. You can't imagine how wide it is. You can't even imagine it. You can't imagine how deep it is. Come, he would say, don't be discouraged. Stop the discouragement and get into community. Because in community, we're going to see, we're going to mind. I remember uh, uh, hearing a kid say one time, it just came into my mind, he was in trouble. And I remember someone said, you're going to be in trouble with your mom and dad. And they said, you're, you're going to get grounded. And he said, yeah, D, 
deeper than a miner could dig. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. Deeper than a miner could dig. You know what? The vastness of God's love. Deeper than a miner could dig. There's no end to. You need, you need some love. You need some encounter with God. It's time to get into communion. I want to encourage you. Get the app on your phone. The Gateway app. Get in. You, you know how you get into the group? You click join. And Pastor Kimmy will get your name, and she's going to put you in a group, and you're going to have an opportunity to go deeper than a miner could dig, huh, and know God's love in your life. I just get so encouraged. That's the plan this fall. Just as I close, I want to end with this. You will be loved a way better than you could ever be told. You know, <clears throat> sometimes we think about church that all we do is talk about what we do, right? And Paul said, love, God's love, is something that you can't just be told about. It's something you got to experience. You can't be a spectator can't be here and say, oh, that's for somebody else. That connect groups and being together is not that important for me because I'm, I'm, I'm good. You, could I just say, what about someone else that needs you? What about someone that needs you to love them, show them God's love in a group? What about that person? Huh? Let's not be selfish. Let's not just think we're just here as consumers to get what we can get as much as we can get. That's what you do at Walmart, right? You know, several years ago, quite a few years ago, I don't know when it was. I was trying to think after the last service, maybe 10 years ago. I was going through a really difficult time in my life. In fact, I came into a time of depression. The doctor diagnosed me with depression. And I could not get out of it. I tried. I tried everything. I was going to counselor, going to the doctor. I had to stay home from work for months. I just could not get out. People prayed for me. I couldn't. And it was in that time of discouragement, great discouragement. I mean, I groaned. I stayed up late. I did everything for Lisa. And my daughter, Jalissa, who is on the video at the start of the thing in, in slow motion, she was little. And she drew me this picture. <laughs> it says, to daddy, I love you a lot. And I remember when she gave that to me hugged me and ministered to me. I'll tell you, a little girl showed me what love was. Don't you want to know what love is? You don't want to just be told about it again. This fall, you have an, ex you have an opportunity to experience love, not just, not just knowledge. To know God's love. 
Amen. We'd love to have you a part. Let's stand up and we're going to pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you don't leave us in discouragement. You don't leave us in great challenges. You don't leave us in our in our fears, in our anxieties, in our pain, in our hopelessness. God, you, you give us the opportunity for Salah to know your presence, God. And thank you that you're giving that gift right now to Gateway Church. And as people are making a decision right now to be part of this fall, be part of a group, be part of family, be part of knowing the goodness and Man, I just pray you'd help them cross that line today in Jesus' name.